Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Fast swing on the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! All right, Georgia Southern fans, welcome to another episode of Georgia Southern Extra. I'm Travis Jadon, the beat writer for Georgia Southern Athletics at the Savannah Morning News and savannahnow.com. Uh, we're joined today by Mike Anthony of the Statesboro Herald. Mike's going to join to preview the Cure Bowl this weekend. We'll discuss the Georgia Southern regular season that was uh, in 2019. We'll get you prepped for the third bowl game in Southern's program history as Georgia Southern at 7-5 and five takes on FBS Independent Liberty, also 7-5, and five, uh, with kickoff set for exactly 2.37 p.m. in sunny Orlando, Florida on Saturday. December 21st at Exploria Stadium. Uh, Mike, what do you know about Exploria Stadium? Uh, I know that they play the other kind of football there usually, the kicky football kind. Yeah, not your forte, right? Soccer? I mean, I know of it. Yeah, you've heard of it. You don't You don't strike me as a soccer guy. Um, Mike, let's uh, get done with some of the less exciting stuff first. Let me just run through some notes real quick for Georgia Southern. Uh, recruiting, signing day, early signing period. Uh, begins bright and early Wednesday morning. As we record this on a Tuesday night, Georgia Southern has 17 commitments for the 2020 class after cornerback Sam Randolph and defensive tackle Trayvon Locke uh, out of Benedictine in Savannah announced their commitments today, Tuesday afternoon. The class itself is starting to to really look better than I think a lot of people thought it might, um, but it's becoming more and more evident that Chad Lunsford, Bob the Best, want a certain type of player, and that is the type of player that is versatile on both sides of the ball. Um, I think of of the 17, you got really quality players. There's two guys out there that you really want to add to the class, and you'll feel just about set. Marcus Carroll Jr., the running back out of Atlanta and Hapeville Charter, uh, and then Sam Kennerson, the quarterback athlete out of Baton Rouge, those two guys are two guys to watch on Wednesday, and we'll have all that coverage. Mike, have you, I know recruiting, like myself, recruiting for you, not your favorite topic, but uh, it is important. We know that. We're not going to debate the importance of recruiting, but for you, Mike, have you seen kind of evidence of what Lunsford wants to bring in with these recruits? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely keep my eye on it because, like you said, recruiting is important. You've got to get good players. It's just my stance that you don't really know who the good players are until a year, usually more than that down the line. So all you can do is go off of what you see on tape and go off of your own judgment. But uh, I agree with you that they're looking for versatility. I think that's regardless of the uh, the coaching staffs that have been in uh, or have been at Georgia Southern, I think that with the offense they've run, so long as they've run an option offense, it's usually been about like that. They just try to get a bunch of athletes. They, they've gotten some of their best players or best quarterbacks in team history uh, via going to guys who were quarterbacks in high school that wanted to be college quarterbacks and kept hearing, you're too short. You can't throw it well enough. You know, we like you. You're an athlete, but we want you to be a defensive back. We want you to be a wide receiver. And Georgia Southern would always be that team out there saying, hey, we know you're an athlete. Sure, we'll give you a chance to come in and prove it if you want to be a quarterback. And so they found a lot of quarterbacks that way. A lot of those guys have gone on to other positions because they couldn't do it once they got here and been successful there. And then uh, I think for the rest of the offense, you see on the offensive line kind of uh, kind of splitting the difference between 
the, the bigger guys that uh, Tyson Summers and his staff were recruiting a few years ago. Uh, they're not going quite as big anymore, but they're not going for those really, you know, small by offensive lineman uh, standards, the 240, 250-pound uh, really fast guys that you used to see in the under center flex. So uh, even even with the offensive lineman, versatility is key. I think that this year has proven that. Everyone's had to learn new positions, had to get shifted around due to injuries. So this team really is at its best when you've got guys who can fulfill multiple roles. It just makes them that much uh, – more difficult to to figure out what George Southern is going to throw at you. Yeah, and with that versatility, you know, obviously comes options. Uh, and the more versatile you are, the more uh, likely it is that you see playing time on the field, especially at Georgia Southern. I think of someone like Gerald Green, who clearly can be used both in the slot and at running back. I say slot. I mean, line up at the slot. Uh, I, I don't see Gerald Green running too many routes out of the slot but you guys get my point I think uh the Sam Randolph kid out of uh Heritage High School his tape is awesome I mean he's a big hitting safety a guy that kind of reminds me of Kendrick Duncan Jr um and then Sam Kennerson the left-handed quarterback out of Baton Rouge is a golden child of Bob the best of sorts I know that the best thinks highly of Kennerson Kennerson uh has visited Georgia Southern in late November uh, I would expect him tomorrow on Wednesday uh, to commit to Georgia Southern. Marcus Carroll, the running back out of Atlanta, is deciding between Georgia Southern, Georgia State, and Coastal Carolina. Uh, Mike, let's jump into the Cure Bowl. Uh, I, I want to just start right with this. Does Southern really want to win this bowl game? And I think we'll know the answer to that question early on, you know, if Georgia Southern is as locked in as they say they are. We talked to Chad Lunsford on Monday of this week kind of about the Cure Bowl and also about, you know, the early signing period on Wednesday, which is, you know, a weird overlap, I think, Mike. Uh, I don't know if this was thought of by the NCAA or by bowls or by conferences, but it, it is strange to me that you would overlap the start of your, you know, essentially what is your postseason product for college football at the same time that you're, um, you know, asking schools, especially a group of five schools, to sign their classes. Um, it, it, it's been a, a, a difficult challenge, Lunsford said, but when I asked him about this on Monday, about balancing bowl prep and recruiting, uh, he had this to say. Coach, how difficult has it been to uh, balance the recruiting and getting ready for this bowl game uh, with them you know, overlapping this week? Uh, you know, it's been a challenge. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot going on with, um, you know, being a contact period and where you can actually, you know, go to the high school or go to the home or, or, or do the things that you need to do to be able to finish off your December signing class. Uh, but also, too, throwing finals in there and, you know, not really wanting to put our guys in a position of not succeeding in the classroom because ultimately we want them to graduate and, and, and put themselves in position to be successful in the future. Uh, so it's definitely something that we've been juggling. Um, I think our staff's done a tremendous job with it, though. Uh, our recruiting staff has put together a really good plan for our, our coaches. Uh, we were able to get out, get get the guys seen that we needed to get seen, uh, but also be able to get back in here, make sure that we were game planning and, and getting our bowl prep ready. Uh, so hats off to our staff. They've done a tremendous job with that. But it has definitely been a challenge for us to, to juggle all of it. All right, so there's Coach Lunsford talking about juggling uh, recruiting and prepping for Liberty. Um, but as Georgia Southern is recruiting, we're prepping for Liberty, and we're 
getting to know the Flames and Hugh Freeze and kind of what they're all about. And Mike, they are a very, very good football team. I think, you know, or I'll just ask you this, Mike, if Georgia Southern wins over Liberty, where would that rank uh, for you in terms of their wins this season of the eight wins? We'll put it behind App State for sure. Is this the second best win for Georgia Southern if they beat Liberty? Um, I'm going to, at the risk of uh, uh, getting on the wrong side of any Liberty fans who happen to come across this, I'm not going to call them a bad team, but I wouldn't put this uh, anywhere near the top third of their wins, I think, this year. Um, really? You know, record aside, you, you, you do have to consider who Liberty's played. And, yeah, they are a good team. And Georgia Southern, if they don't show up ready to play, it is going to be a problem for them, not just because of how Liberty plays, passing the ball, getting yards downfield that Georgia Southern's given up this season. But if you look at, you know, where Liberty's kind of a little bit weaker, it's right where Georgia Southern's been firing on all cylinders the last couple of weeks here. I think that Georgia Southern, if that offense shows up for four quarters like they did the last time we saw them on the field, I think that you're going to see an even better version of that Georgia State game where Georgia Southern takes control, they dictate the pace, they get points on most of their possessions, and I really think that uh, they're, they're going to be able to just, you know, keep the ball long enough to where Liberty, with its offense, that can be good, but also is a little bit iffy, and the better teams they played have, you know, really uh, uh, stifled that passing offense of theirs. If you've got a Georgia Southern team that's putting up points and taking up big uh, portions of clock, I think that you're going to get Liberty in its first ever bowl game out of its element, starting to press a little bit. I think that they're going to get out of their game, and Georgia Southern might be in for a good day. Well, I mean, that's interesting you say that because I, I don't know that I'm as confident as you are in that. And as far as now, granted, that's that's only if Georgia Southern executes like it can, and you know, uh, all things fair, we've definitely seen them not execute nearly as well as they can on three or four different occasions this season. So. Yeah. I'm not guaranteeing victory by any means. I'm just saying that if Georgia Southern plays the game that we've seen it play a couple of times late in this season, you know, most notably against UL Monroe, against Georgia State, I think that it, if they can come out and play that kind of game, it is really going to be tough for Liberty to keep up. I, I agree. Okay, so we agree on this. If Georgia Southern plays its A-minus game, let's say, Liberty plays its A-minus game, I think Georgia Southern by 10 at least. What is, I don't under, like, what would make you so confident that Georgia Southern does do that, though? I'm like 50-50 whether they're going to come out sharp or not. I think when you think of the schedules, Mike, Liberty has played essentially nobody. They've played the Little Giants uh, seven times, essentially. They have one eh, win, one average win against Buffalo. Um, who has Georgia Southern beat besides App State, though? I, it doesn't so much, the schedule is tougher for Southern, undeniably. But who cares who you play? I care who you beat. Uh, who is Georgia Southern beat that that is so great that we have the ability to to clown Liberty's schedule? I don't. I don't ULM is that the second best win on for Georgia Southern? Yeah, no, I'm with you there, and I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to say that they have any huge wins that should jump off the page aside from App State, and I'm also not going to try to tout up you know good losses. You know, like they they managed to. Uh, 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 take uh, Minnesota down to the wire should have yeah. won that game and I, I think that the uh, 55 to 3 against LSU well they've done that to just about everybody but I'm not going to say that that should be a moral victory or anything that uh, uh, should play into anyone's opinion of 
how tough Georgia Southern their schedule has been versus how comparatively easy Liberty's has been. Really, I, I get more of my confidence in this game versus the, the feel of the team. And we all know that Georgia Southern on the road hasn't been great, but I think that this is a little bit different. This is on the road for sure, but Georgia Southern's probably going to have more fans there. They're definitely the team that has less travel. Uh, they, they've been there. We're, we're doing this Tuesday night. I know that they're already at their hotel, so it's not quite the uh, the craziness of leaving on a Friday morning, getting to your destination Friday night, going to a hotel off campus somewhere, then going through the grinder of meetings and getting to the stadium and going into a hostile environment. It's not going to be like other road games. And I, I think, uh, you know, from what I've seen in the first two bowl trips, Georgia Southern brings a party atmosphere with them. The team isn't afraid to kind of mix it up with those fans and get involved. And that's going to make this team lose. And when this team's played loose is when it's played well. So that's kind of what goes into my thinking of, while it might not be a total domination of Georgia Southern fans and a a huge home field advantage in terms of noise and all that, I think that you are going to see a Georgia Southern team that's feeling loose, playing loose, acting like it's a home game. And that's when they've been at their best. Yeah, I hear you with that. Um, one note real quick on, on Georgia Southern. Like you said, they are in Florida right now as we record this Tuesday night. They are in Orlando at their hotel, and it is their first time back in Florida, back in the state of Florida since November 23rd, 2013. And, Mike, you know what happened on that date. Yeah, yeah, we drained the swamp. Yeah, pretty sure Georgia Southern whipped up on Florida that day, left town, and did not come back until um, till today. Till the Cure Bowl appearance. I think they proved their point pretty well. You, you don't have to come back, but once every half decade, when you when you leave a mark like that, right? Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think any Gator fans were uh, anxious for Georgia Southern to return to the state um, anytime soon. Uh, Mike, let me ask you this: If Georgia Southern's losing at halftime, do you think they can win this game? Uh, well, I mean, the, I the big question would be by how much. But uh, I think that uh, if it's a very close game, maybe. If it's a situation that you ran into against Troy or Arkansas State where whatever pass defense Georgia Southern has decided to dial up just isn't working or Liberty has seen it coming and they've counterpunched it, then, yeah, I think it's it's going to be very tough for Georgia Southern. They've shown that, you know, at times they've got, you know, two great corners who can go man-to-man, but when the scheme is broken down or when other teams have schemed around their scheme – you know, things have gotten kind of ugly pretty quickly for Georgia Southern in the past. All right, yeah, let's stick on that point, too. Uh, Buckshot Calvert, the quarterback for Liberty, um, has only thrown six interceptions all season. Uh, or, no, I, I'm sorry, they've thrown six as a team. He's thrown five, I believe. Um, and so, obviously, he's pretty good at protecting the ball. They are 78th in the country, Liberty is, um, allowing two, 2.25 sacks per game so I do think that Georgia Southern you know can find a way to get pressure on Calvert and obviously we've discussed his you know lack of mobility I think but Mike one thing to watch for me is and and, you know at this point now I've watched a bunch of Liberty's games from this year um, and a bunch of different kinds of opponents I guess Uh, they what they do with Antonio Gandy Golden, especially in the red zone, is they'll line him up as the inside receiver. Um, and typically in a base defense, that means you're lining up either against a linebacker or you know a linebacker probably in the red zone or a nickel corner. Do you think Georgia Southern does something that they haven't done against these other receivers in that they'll let Vildor 
or Brinson shadow Gandy Golden where he goes rather than lining up Brinson um, in his typical spot on one side and Vildor on the other side. Usually Southern doesn't you know, move Vildor and Brinson based off of where the opponent's best receiver is, but I think that might be something they should consider for this game. God knows we cannot we cannot have Gandy Golden lining up against you know Jay Bowdry or Jesse Liptrot over and over again. Certainly, those guys are capable, um, you know, on any given play. But it, if I'm Georgia Southern and I'm going up against a guy like this, Gandy Golden, you know, I'm not going to let my season end with my best cornerbacks covering the other team's receivers who don't so much matter. Um, you know, I, I'm anxious to see how they're going to defend this Antonio. Gandy Golden guy, and I think one way to do it might be to allow Vildor or Brinson to kind of go where he goes. What, what do you say to that, Mike? Yeah, I've said it, I know, on this podcast a few times before, and I'll say it again. You know, I don't purport to be smarter than any of the coaches. They watch millions more hours of film than I do. They they uh, have concepts that I've never heard of. They, they, for the most part, know what they're doing. They get paid that way, and for the most part, it's uh, paid off for uh, Scott Sloan and his defense for for a lot of the year this year for Georgia Southern. But, yeah, you know, anybody could say you've got two really good corners. They've got a really good receiver. Why don't you make sure one of them's on him the entire time? That said, you know, this Georgia Southern defense, it's been pretty stubborn. They have done some little things, I think, uh, in terms of the front seven to change things up to not be so much of a base defense. But you're right. They usually – they don't have – uh, they don't they don't tell Kendall or Monkwigan Brinson to pick out a guy and just go get him, go stalk him around the field. They don't do that. I don't think that they'll do it this weekend just because it's not their style, it's not their system. Uh their faith is in doing what they're coached up, doing the same system over and over and everybody knowing their role and hopefully that can overcome, you know, uh, maybe a mismatch here and there. But no, I agree with you. You know, if it if it was me, I, I would look at you know, the uh, gold standard for shutting down star players in football over the last uh, decade or two, and that's what the Patriots do. You know, you got a star receiver. You don't necessarily have to put your star corner on him, but put somebody on him and put somebody else on him and then make them beat you with everybody else. Everybody else can have a one-on-one matchup, and I think that with how Georgia Southern secondary is comprised, if you do that, you don't even have to sacrifice your one good corner because you have two of them. Make sure one of those guys is uh, shadowing him. Make sure there's a safety somewhere around uh, uh, to help him out. And then you still have either Brinson or Vildor covering their next best receiver, and you've got everybody else to cover the rest. And not that Liberty doesn't have other capable receivers, but Gandy Golden's definitely head and shoulders above everybody else. And I think that by doing that, you can make life tough on them if they're going to try to force it to Gandy Golden. And at the same time, you don't have to get too crazy about uh, blitzing, getting out of your base scheme, and doing things that you're not comfortable doing. If you can just shut that guy down, then you know it, it makes things a lot tougher on the quarterback, regardless of how much pressure you get on. All right, Georgia Southern fans, we have a new offer for you guys at savannahnow.com. We want you guys to check it out. It's a newsletter focused on Georgia Southern athletics and Georgia Southern athletics only. This is a free opportunity for you guys to get caught up on all the latest news on the Eagles, whether it be on the football field, basketball court, baseball field, 
or what have you, but go join the mailing list for the newsletter. And this is how you do it. Go to savannahnow.com and look on the right side of the homepage, click get our newsletters and go from there. The newsletter will have a blog post once a week, as well as other relevant Georgia Southern stories, opportunities to subscribe to the podcast and other insider notes that you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. stick with liberty when they have the ball um mike the talk uh, around georgia southern all season going into games uh you know where they're facing a team that's really really pass oriented and liberty certainly qualifies as that um the, the talk around georgia southern has been get pressure get pressure on the quarterback i hear this all the time uh well duh I mean, you want to get pressure on the quarterback. Here's a here's a better question: How in the hell do you do that? Uh, and for Georgia Southern, I don't know that this is the kind of game where you're going to want to be blitzing too often. You know, I think against Georgia State, Scott Sloan, you know, pitched almost a perfect game uh, in that one and was dialing up blitzes left and right, and they worked. Um, I, I'm nervous about if Georgia Southern. It is pass blitzing, uh, you know, in other words, blitzing on downs where they expect uh, a pass to be coming. I'm nervous about that because that allows Calvert, a big, big, tall guy that can kind of scan the field, that allows him the ability to get the ball out quick. Um, and I think Georgia Southern, that might be a way to limit the big play from Liberty, you know, force them to get the ball out quick. But then what you're doing is you're depending on your tackling um, and if you're Georgia Southern, that's been hit or miss. I mean, again, that's something that we've seen pretty early in most games. We know if Georgia Southern came to play or not by the way they tackle or in some games by the way they don't tackle. So, you know, I think that might be one of the keys. You have to find a way to get pressure on Calvert without sending a lot of crazy blitzes. Um, And Mike, one of the things that might be a key to that uh, is the health of Raymond Johnson. Um, and he missed the Georgia State game. Uh, the junior defensive end, Raymond Johnson, missed the Georgia State game, has had plenty of time, I would think, to recover from his injury. Um, have you heard anything about Raymond Johnson, Mike? And, and if he plays or if he doesn't play, do you see that really impacting Georgia Southern's ability to get a pass rush? Because, you know, as good as Raymond Johnson is, he hasn't really jumped up off the stat sheet in any of these games this year yeah uh all i've heard is that he's on the uh two deep you know everybody can look and see that uh everybody's a little bit tight-lipped as far as what exact injuries are how bad those injuries are um all i can say is that he's in florida whether whether he'll play or how many uh snaps he'll play is beyond me i think that uh i would think that if he can play he will um and as far as the defensive scheme goes, of course it helps having him on the field. He's a he's a presence. He's one of those guys that, like you said, the the stats don't jump off the sheet. And in at 100% health in his best year, he is a guy that makes you look at his stats. But other teams know that too, and you know they'll they'll run away from him. They'll they'll let him impact the game by the way they try to get away from him. And so having him on the field even at 80% is definitely going to be uh, good news for Georgia Southern. And to your other point about how do they get pressure without, you know, going crazy with blitzes, I, I think that they can really run something similar to Georgia State where 
you know, as you mentioned, they did blitz a lot, but I wouldn't call it crazy blitz, and I would call it creative blitzing because if you go back and look at that, they weren't sending a jailbreak blitz. They weren't sending even six guys a lot of times. What they were doing was mixing things up, trying to uh, look like they were overloading one side and then bringing a blitz from another side. And they did that because Georgia Southern had a quarterback that usually, or I'm sorry, Georgia State had a quarterback that usually is mobile and for that game wasn't. And they wanted to just make him do anything but stand there and deliver the ball. And I think that with Liberty, even though Buckshot Calvert's healthy, <laughs> a healthy Calvert is probably about as, maybe less mobile than a 50% Dan Ellington with a bad knee. So I think that a similar uh, strategy might work where you send four guys, maybe one man blitz and five guys coming. And and the goal shouldn't be to overwhelm the line, to swallow them up, to get sacks. It's just make the guy who has minus 150 rushing on the year, make him move off the spot. When you see a stat line like that for rushing, that means that he is at his best when he's just standing there delivering, especially doing it on time. So if you move him off his spot, if you make those routes uh, get cut off short or take a little longer to develop, that's where you're going to win that game. You don't have to sack him 10 times. You don't even have to hit him 10 times. You just have to make him think that where he's planning on setting up and throwing probably isn't going to be where he's going to end up releasing that ball from. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think Georgia Southern shouldn't have any problem uh, stopping the run here, so I won't dedicate too much time to that. Uh, Offensively, Mike, for Georgia Southern, do you see uh, them having any problems? I mean, nothing on film, nothing on stats, uh, on the stat sheets uh, implies that Georgia Southern will have any problem moving the ball. I think, you know, in leading up to this game, I've done, you know, opponent question and answers and, you know, different radio spots. I'm sure you have as well. And and we're asked a lot, you know, what are the keys to the game? Uh, Which is, you know, a loaded question for any game. Uh, For this game though, Mike, what I've been kind of leaning toward is that Georgia Southern needs to have one of those games where they have at least two guys go for 90-plus yards on the ground. Um, they need to have good balance in the run game, and by that I mean you're looking for 15 attempts from Wirtz, 15 from uh, King, and then maybe 8 to 10 from Kennedy. Uh, I think Georgia Southern is going to be very successful offensively uh, against Liberty. I don't see any problem with that, but I do worry that they might have so much success that they'll get into one of these kind of games where they're scoring Georgia Southern is on four, five, six, seven plays fairly quickly. Uh, and then Liberty might turn around and do the same thing. And you could see easily how you could get caught up in kind of a, a shootout style game. Georgia Southern certainly does not want that. I expect the pace for Georgia Southern to be ultra slow in this one. Um, Mike, offensively for you, any keys for Georgia Southern, or is it just going to be line up and do what you do? Yeah, I like your idea that, uh, you know, obviously if you look at the stats, there's potential for a lot of guys to have a big game. But I like where you're coming from. That With Georgia Southern and the way they run their offense, it's not about one guy having a huge game. It's about more than one guy having a good game. Because when you get to that, that means that the defense, even if they're really executing – they're still kind of left guessing because you've got two guys who even two seconds after the ball's been snapped, you don't know if one guy's getting it or the other one's getting it. So when when that happens, even if you're playing well defensively, it can still be a struggle. And I would add on to that, uh, another key for Georgia Southern to really play well offensively in this game is something that I know you've harped on a lot this season. 
just look at the first down stats. If Georgia Southern can continually get four and five and six yards on first down with Liberty's defense and the way that they've struggled uh, uh, to get guys down on running plays before they break some tackles and get extra yards after contact, if Georgia Southern's moving the ball on first down, it could be a long day for Liberty's defense. Yeah, and kind of one more thing, Mike, that may impact this game. Uh, Georgia Southern is ranked incredibly highly uh, in penalties per game. Uh, they started off kind of poor in that category and then have really turned it on down the stretch. Liberty ranked 100th uh, in both categories, rushing defense and penalties per game. Uh, so whereas Georgia Southern excels in running the ball, stopping the run, and not committing, not committing penalties, Liberty struggles in running the ball, stopping the run, and committing penalties. So that might be something where you look at it. Uh, one more thing for Liberty, uh, just as far as kind of the, the stats go, uh, they have been not really tested as far as close games go. Uh, don't have a lot of close games this year. Georgia Southern, meanwhile, is uh, 3-0 and in games decided by three points or less. And under Chad Lunsford, they're 8-1 in games decided by three points or less. So I do think if it's coming down the stretch that Georgia Southern has the pedigree um, to finish off a close game. You heard Tracy Ham earlier this week on uh, our bonus episode of Georgia Southern Extra. Uh, you heard him talk about how undervalued winning close games is. Uh, Mike, one more thing, and then we'll, we will wrap it up. Uh, the season as a whole uh, for Georgia Southern uh, and we've talked about this, you know, coming down the stretch of the season. I think it's successful no matter what happens in this game. But I do think th- that, you know, as we get closer to the start of this game, that a lot, there's a lot more importance on how Georgia Southern plays uh, rather than the result of the game, if that makes sense. Uh, the questions we have about this team, all of them... I would think could pretty much be answered in this game. If Georgia Southern comes out sloppy, you know, struggles early um, as they have in most of their losses. Uh, if they, uh, you know, are committing a lot of three and outs, if they're struggling on third downs, if they're kicking field goals in the red zone instead of getting touchdowns, um, or if they're not even entering the red zone in some of their losses. Um, I think you go into the off season and you're wondering is this going to be, you know, a program-wide problem? Uh, is pass defense going to be a program problem moving forward? Uh, whereas if they stop the pass, Mike, if they're super successful against a team like Liberty, who, if they do anything well, is pass the ball, um, then you go into the offseason and you kind of say, hey, they had some problems early. They played some tough teams. They had some injuries. They had some off-the-field stuff. But they figured it out, and they found a way to go 8-5. and five. Um, So I guess what I'm saying, Mike, is I think – the closer we get to it, and I might be a victim of the moment here, the closer we get to it, the more important this one feels. So what do you say to that? Yeah, I, I think that to your point, you know, no matter what happens, if you break it down far enough into individual plays, individual groups, individual whatever, you're going to find stuff that absolutely needs to be improved on that regardless of what they do in the bowl game is going to be something that you have to chalk up as, you know, underperforming from what their expectations were. Uh, at the beginning of the year. However, I think that the team as a whole, you can look at a lot differently. And that's that, uh, you know, this team, you can say what you will about a seven and five record after a 10 win season. 
you know, there was a point in the season where Georgia Southern was one and three, and it was fourth and five in overtime, and Georgia Southern wasn't throwing the ball well at all, and there was an absolute, if you want to call it a, uh, if you can call something that only goes 20 yards a Hail Mary, a Hail Mary up in the air to Mark Mashad in that monsoon during the Coastal Carolina game. And, you know, if he doesn't bring that down, this might be an entirely different season. And from that point forward, yeah, there were a bunch of uh, uh, other down spots for Georgia Southern. But for the most part, I think they turned it around. And I think that they have a chance in this bowl game, if they play well and win, to really get the momentum going. You know, this is a team that's still pretty young. They've got some seniors that they're going to want to play for and play hard for and send out with a win. But the fact that they've got a, a ton of guys on both sides of the ball that are going to be scheduled into the uh, top spots of the depth chart in spring uh, practice in a couple of months, that that gives them all the more motivation, not just to win a game because it's there, but to win a game because the last month has kind of been uh, on the upswing for Georgia Southern. And if you can end with one more win, it gives you that much more good vibes, good feelings, good momentum, whatever you want to call it going into the next season, going into what I assume is going to be another very solid and continuous uh, flow with the coaching staff. You get some new guys in, you get everybody one more year of familiarity with the system. And I think that that's a message to all the sophomores, all the juniors that are already contributing. A, send out the seniors with a win. B, regardless of the, the bad games that have happened this year that maybe everybody got a little sour on. And yeah, there were some ugly ones, but if they finish strong, if they win a, a game here in convincing fashion, they can chalk it all up to we learned some lessons. Most of us are coming back next year. You can start with your uh, your foot all the way down on the gas when you begin 2020. Yeah, no doubt. 2020 is going to be Liddy fam. Uh, Mike, I, I wanted to touch on this before we go. Last week, I think I said that Gerald Green, true freshman, um, had played in three games. Uh, that was because a Brian Johnson mistake in the game notes so bj for listening that's one that's one for bj uh but green has played four games so i would be i'll say this i would be floored shocked if gerald green plays in this game there i don't i don't see any reason to waste an entire year for a bowl game against liberty if he plays in one more game gerald green then then he will lose that redshirt eligibility and the last thing you want to do is play a guy and play a true freshman in five games you know what I mean either play them in 12 to 13 games or play them in four or less five is kind of that magic number and that's such a tough sell especially with what we've seen with the the transfer portal and guys going everywhere and I think a lot of it's because of social media and you know what when was for the last 20 years you had guys that expected to come in and try to earn their spot but you know, now when they get gassed up on uh, everything on social media for two, even three years before they get to school, when they go through the same trial and tribulation as everyone else where, yeah, there's three other guys who are older and bigger and stronger than you, and we're not saying you can't do it, but you've got to prove it or you've got to wait your turn. So many of those guys jump early. So, yeah, it's kind of tough. Like, you've got to sell them on the fact that, hey, the fact that Georgia Southern might not want you to play in this game should be a testament to how much they like you is that they don't want to throw away all the games you didn't play in this season just to get you on the field for a couple carries in this bowl game. Yeah, exactly. And from everything I know about Green, I, I think you know he's smart enough to, to understand that. Um, I've had people email me and ask me about uh, 
Raymond Johnson, obviously, uh, Aaron Dowdell, and Logan Wright. Neither one of those guys, uh, from everything I can tell, will be playing in this bowl game. But we have seen uh, stranger things than that. Uh, I I wanted to hit this, and we'll have plenty of time next week on our wrap ups, on our wrap up episodes, um, to kind of contextualize this season and. and catch you guys up on milestones uh, that Georgia Southern as a team and individual players achieved this year. But uh, it, it is notable to mention that Shywerts is 65 yards away from uh, moving into third place all time in the Sunbelt Conference uh, in terms of uh, rushing yards by a quarterback. Uh, so he'll need 66 yards to surpass Kevin Ellison, uh, former Georgia Southern great uh, in terms of rushing yards by a quarterback in the conference. Uh, Monquavian Brinson needs one pass breakup to become Georgia Southern's all-time leader in pass breakups. Uh, and um, Tyler Bass obviously is firmly planted at that number two spot all-time in field goals made for Georgia Southern. Um, I don't want to jinx this, but Wirtz also has not thrown an interception. We know this. Uh, and he will become he will try and become uh the first quarterback in college football history to have played two full years uh and not have thrown an interception not two full years two years uh at least meeting the minimum um in both seasons so a lot on the line for georgia southern as a program and then individually they have some things they're looking uh looking to do um mike how would people read your stuff if if they wanted to read your stuff if they want to read my stuff, they can if pick they up uh, an edition stuff. of the. <laughs> they can pick up the uh, Statesboro Herald, or they can go online from the comfort of their own home. Go to statesboroherald.com. I've got all my articles on there. Uh, we've got some videos coming out for Bowl Week. We, I think, we might be shooting another one from City Walk when we get down to the Universal there. And then uh, on Twitter, you can follow me at at Herald GS Sports. Awesome, and for us at the Savannah Morning News. Uh, find all of the Georgia Southern coverage at savannahnow.com. Uh, if you're looking for recruiting and signing day notes, you can find all of that right now on savannahnow.com and certainly uh, later in the day on Wednesday. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jordan Sports SMN. Um, when Mike and I play around in golf in Florida, I will be live tweeting. Uh, all- yeah, what are we going to do with that? Can people follow us live through that? Yeah, I'm sure I they think can that'd be fun. I'm sure they can if they want. Are you bringing a caddy? All right. Um, nah, my uh, you wouldn't tell me my if you were anyways. Still dog shit with club selection, man. <laughs> Give me the shovel. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. She she's a real Patrick Reed out there. Yeah, no comment. She, she'll use the she'll use the foot wedge and hand wedge all over that course. <laughs> all right, guys. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. And, and next week again, we'll have full wrap up from the Cure Bowl wrap-up of the season. Uh, then we'll take a week or two off, a couple weeks off, um, and jump into some basketball stuff beginning in January. Um, thank you guys for listening all season. We got one more to go, uh, and then we'll be all eyes on 2020. So until next week, thank you. Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Pass swings on the way. It's good! It is well with-
Georgia Southern wins!